I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Did you know that Wix.com is used by more than 84 million people worldwide? That's a ridiculous number. I didn't make it up. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business and they make it real simple. You go sign up for free, use one of their customizable templates Drop in your images. You don't need to hire a designer or any of that stuff. Yeah, you can just do it yourself with Wix.com. So go today. It's fast and easy. Send us a link to your new site, and we'll talk about it on the air if you made it with Wix.com. Don't try to cheat on that. Can't wait to see what you make. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. We missed you. Glad you're here. Hey, I'm your host, Josh Levine. Today, we got my man, Kenny Fresh. The owner of Fresh Selects, which is a radio show, a blog, a record label. He describes it as the middle ground between Pitchfork and Two Dope Boys. If you don't know what that is, you got some homework to do. Kenny's also a social media expert, working with everybody from Wajid to Adidas. So he's going to give us some tips on how he handles social media. He's going to give us some insight into his career path and the importance of having friends from outside the music industry to kind of keep you in check. He's also going to tell us what people are doing with the vinyl that they buy at Whole Foods. Might be surprising to you. And uh, some lessons from him on learning from other people's mistakes. And I loved his motto, which is say yes and Google it later. I don't think that's really his motto. I kind of made that up, but he's going to tell us an interesting story about that. I hope you like it. If you do, send us a comment. Even if you don't, send us a comment on Twitter, Facebook, or leave us a review on iTunes. And before the interview, let's hear the EDM.com track of the week. Here we go. Hey, 
Boy, I got a lot of problems with you. I am about to get you. A hospital bed and then I will stick you, get you. A tissue, fix you, a cup of coffee to hit you, bitch you. Better bounce about to do jujitsu, rip you into pieces of nothing. Pieces of fucking pizza teacher that I'm taking the whole pie. I'm an animal, not your average lion, tiger, bear. Oh my, intention so much worse with obsession for bloodthirst, you see. Lean to the sound of this. Do it or just live when the pile of bricks. Go away the day, wanna ride the dick. Probably cause of way I supply the hits. I gotta say, hey, what you gonna say? All right, all right, that was Memba with a track called Bricks. Our EDM.com track of the week, if you like that one. Get over to EDM.com, check out the funkiest selection of electronic music, hip-hop, future soul, a little bit of everything. And now, let's hear from Kenny Fresh. Um, so yeah, man, I'm excited to have you here. I've been been hearing good things about you for yeah, a while. I appreciate it. I've been listening. I've caught a few episodes of oh, right the podcast so far, so yeah. Nice. Appreciate it. Dope. You guys are working with Tia now, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's rad. She, she's she making it happen. Done. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> Quick. For sure. We're all Portland up now. Yeah, I know. You got, like, that's the best of Portland. <laughs> Is that Two right? Two of them. Yeah, that's pretty nice. much all you need. Nice. You been up there much? You know, here and there. I was there for Lee's wedding. Oh, nice. We went. We all went. I was there, too. Uh, at the, where man, you? I must say, it's so much. Oh, yeah. Pock Pock wings. The wings, man. Like, ten it plates. It was killing it with the wings. <laughs> was three meals that day. For sure. Yeah, that was a good time. I forgot about that. Uh, and then I get up there every once in a while. I, don't, I, I used to, in the 90s, I used to manage Cool Nuts. Oh wow, that's yeah. crazy! So, Damn, that's so I have like a, a long-term love affair with Portland. Yeah, Bosco. Yeah, Bosco was like my first my first record deal was uh -huh. Bosco, and I was managing him and Cool Nuts for a while. Oh, that's right. Do you used to work at a label? We've talked before, huh? Uh oh. You did the you, is over the edge books. Is that you? Or is no, that, that's my man, uh, okay. uh, Paul Stewart. Got you. Okay. Uh, but we help him with some stuff. Yeah, I ran like yeah. social media for oh, him okay. for a little bit through oh, nice. you guys. Yeah, through Lee. Oh, that's cool. cool. Okay. Yeah, but I know. So you're like him though. You've been around for a minute. We're, Forever. We're dealing. That's Although scary. nobody's like Paul, Paul Paul's a, he's he a, seems to have a, some stories. A unique for individual. Sure. Yeah, I never definitely. Got to meet him in person, but just I think we skyped once. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, nice. So, so how'd you get into this? Were you always have you always been into music stuff? Yeah, day one. It's been like the music in general has just been like the only thing I've ever cared about and been like even as a kid yeah super early where are you from portland originally no i'm from new jersey but i moved okay. to portland like right before i started high school okay so well, i was like 13 or 14 at the time but I've and been, what what kind of what were you into then uh super young first thing that probably caught my attention was like whatever is on like the mighty duck soundtrack just oh, big shit. like arena rock like queen and you know michael jackson is that right yeah just anything that was just like real epic because you know i'm talking like two or three years old right but even that i took it very seriously and i just annoyed my parents listening to it all day probably that's had, hilarious like, the mighty ducks 
you know, soundtrack cassette. Yeah. And then the first CD I ever got was like Michael Jackson history. It was like the two the uh-huh. two discs, like greatest uh-huh. hits and a new album. That's great. But then from that, just kind of, yeah, like my dad is super into music too. Like he has this whole room in our house, uh, just the music room. And it was mm-hmm. just like wall to wall CD uh, shelves and records and tapes, just nice. a music archive, and we weren't allowed to touch it. Uh-huh. But whenever he was gone, I'd <laughs> go in there and kind of teach myself. Oh, you that's know, hilarious! Just based off of his collection. So, yeah, yeah. It's always just like I just assumed it was normal for music to be like an obsession, just him being, you know, the example of, yeah, you know, as a kid. So yeah, yeah. It's just always nice. been n- natural to me. Yeah, that's how we. That's how we are in my house. I'd tell my son, though, no, just like just, just don't break the needles. Yeah, yeah. And then you can do whatever else. Yeah, that's cool. I know. wasn't allowed to touch him at all. He would like <laughs> sometimes he would like sit me down and he would put the CD in for me if uh-huh. I would, like request and I'd have to listen to it all the way through, which was oh, cool because wow. that's still that's cool. how I listen to music yeah. to this day. And that's a big thing I think about whenever I put out releases. Is, you know, is it enjoyable all the way through? Yeah. But I was never allowed to touch him or. Or anything. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I had to work up the nerve. I used to just, for like a year or so, I used to just pull out the CDs and just read the credits uh-huh. and then get scared. He would find out and put it back. <laughs> so it was a while before I even actually heard anything. But I just, just I don't know why, I would just write down song titles and nice. just like, yeah. Just we, so were you, were you trying to DJ as a kid or was that no, even No, not really. Like the, I went through phases of trying to DJ probably like two or three different times. But uh, I never really... I think I played one like official DJ gig when I was like 21. Oh, okay. And I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't really like how it went. Right. <laughs> so I just like, nah, I don't know. I've always been like, if I can't be like really great at something, I just didn't want to do it. And that's yeah. how I felt about DJs. Like I, I was super excited about DJing because I was like, oh man, I'm into all this music that no one else in Portland is into. And that was before, then I like started getting kind of snuck in the clubs and I met other DJs that were like, really great and they knew all that music so i was like oh okay like they got it <laughs> like right, it's right, covered yeah. so i didn't really feel you know necessary anymore. yeah for sure so how'd you get to um thinking about music as a career um it was just something i always knew uh is because again it's just been the only thing i've like been passionate about and i almost to a fault i'm just not really good at doing things that i don't fully care about and believe in you know so like mm-hmm. high school I didn't really do so hot and you know things like that so I always just knew music is what I was going to do but I wasn't sure how especially living you know I was living outside of Portland in Beaverton like where mm-hmm. Nike is is kind of like a suburb it's like the Burbank of you know mm-hmm. of Portland uh so I, there was no it didn't seem likely to work in music but it was it's just funny kinda, you say the Burbank of Portland I think of it as the Nike town of Portland yeah it's I mean yeah it's the Nike town of the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh uh but yeah so I don't know it didn't really seem likely but then just by chance one of my favorite artists uh reached out to me and offered for me to intern for them kind of do like no one really used the term at the time. This was like 2005, but basically I like ran their social media mm. before, you know, social media really, at the time I was like running their MySpace page. and like Who's writing, the artist? Uh, he's a producer from Detroit. His name is Wajid. Okay. And he was like my favorite. And he uh, he started his own label called Bling 47. He put out like the first uh, instrumental releases by Jay Dilla, who's like mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. And Wajid is a great producer in his own right. And produced for Slum Village and all these other great artists I was like super excited about at the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
for the first time still with us Both Kill Bill pictures ain't ill as ill Nope, theme music for the Phyllis Diller Dark side to Thriller We fill a building Every time we headline it Wherever I'm at, Gorilla It's like I get a meal a minute Get offended when you waste my time You ain't gotta wait for the bill I sent it Still delivered by yours truly Scooby can't do Me in a 300C duty Through these streets like Martin off the Uwe You know that Throwback number 2316 uh, Boy you wanna blow a few G's Come with the cash Get the classic in two weeks And loosely So much I lose sleep uh, Holla at the boy He don't just reduce me Act like you just nerding out about him and all his artists on uh, this message board of uh, okay player because it's like pre-Twitter and yeah, you know, yeah, some message sure. boards were like you know where you had to go so they just saw me nerding out and they uh, they had a contest on their site where they were like you know answer this trivia question about the album they had just released and we'll send you this free mix that he, he did with Triple Five Soul and you couldn't get it in stores mm-hmm. so I was really excited you know I answered the trivia question and they were like yo you're that Kenny kid like we've been seeing your name all over the place but we couldn't we didn't know how to get a hold of you like oh, would, you, would you want to work for us and I was right. like yeah and I literally just graduated high school like the month before yeah. and I had no idea what I was going to do next like my grades were terrible so I was just figuring, like, go to community college or, like, mm-hmm. and just, I don't know. I just Try to put it off for a Yeah, while. I wasn't really motivated at the time. I was just, like, a stupid 17-year-old. <laughs> didn't really, like, see, didn't, I don't know. I wasn't nearly as ambitious or as focused as I am now. But, uh, but yeah, so that just seemed like a miracle to me. I was like, wow, like, I didn't even think to, like, apply for something like that. Right. And, you know, and it was cool. Like, through them, I learned, like, pretty literally like every job within running an independent label because it was a small group of just two people running the label and me. Mm -hmm. So over the years, and I worked with them, I mean, still to this day we work together, but like as far as like me working for the label, it was probably like five years. So over that time, they just kind of gained my, uh, or I gained their trust. They brought me out as like a road manager on a tour Mm -hmm. in Europe. And it was the first time ever leaving the country, first time ever being on tour. Then I was like, I would like run their like online shop their store uh you know there was a lot of things i was doing that i didn't realize were jobs right like i was a copywriter i was like a social media manager right. content manager yeah like later on i would like you know do that for adidas and i could apply for that and be like i've been doing this since i was 17 even though i didn't know it at the time mm-hmm. we didn't call it that mm-hmm. but they were just like yeah run our myspace and interact with our fans for us we don't really have time for that and like Okay, great. Yeah. But, yeah, so it was great. It was amazing. I learned so much from it, and it all came from me trying to get a free CD. That's amazing. <laughs> Which I did get. I got the CD, too. Oh, that's tight. funny. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, so I started uh, in the music business. I interned at Motown. Oh, wow. And I was in college, and somebody told me, you know, I should go do this, and I was like, this is a time when, you know, I always say, like, before the Internet, like, nobody knew anything. Yeah. So like I was, she told me you should go intern at Motown. I was like, I don't know what an intern is, <laughs> and I don't know what a record label does. <laughs> yeah. Like I had records. Yeah. People still to this day ask me what a record label does. Like yeah, adults, for sure. And I'm like, but that what? I mean, you could at least look it up. Like, yeah, they could Google you could, it. You could but know they don't. now if you yeah. wanted to. Right. But back then have... it was like not that you had to find a friend who would tell you the wrong answer <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. And so go to the library and look in a but book. But she said like you know. I was like, what is, it? what is that? And she was like, it's about eight hours a week and you get free CDs. Awesome. In, yeah. Right? I'm in. Sold. 
I'm there. <laughs> and uh, and it's so funny how that stuff starts, you know, yeah. and you don't know what you're getting Especially into. Especially when you get in early and it just kind of shapes the way you view the world, you know, like I started when I was 17. That's like when you really be cliche when you like become a man but it's like really like how you yeah shape your adult perspective yeah mine was just all like through the lens of of the music industry yeah and you know and i was lucky to have like great teachers like they were super cool they were patient with me when i was stupid and not really knowing how to do things and they were trusting and gave me just kind of experimented with me to till till we found out what i was good at you know i mm -hmm. tried to do some things that i just wasn't as good at as others like what um I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, I don't know. There was a time where I was like trying to like, like kind of be like an A&R and like shop beats okay. for him. And but yeah. in my mind, you know, I was young and I was just thinking of like who I really liked at the time and who I would like to hear over his beats. But I would, you know, say names. He's like, yeah, that's cool. But like none of those people have any money. Like right. how are we going to And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah huh. I don't, <laughs> like I didn't, you know, I don't like, have okay. like yeah. contacts with yeah, like Puff sure. Daddy and people. It's like, uh, I right. don't know. I just thought these guys would be tight at it. Right. But yeah. So like, okay, well, maybe that's not the job for you. Sure. But something else. You know, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, not to be off track, but I so I do some I was talking to college students the other day and like they were saying how. They were kind of complaining about, like, you know, that they, they get, like, someone's, that, like, giving them assignments to do that they haven't been trained yeah. to do, like, and. That's, yeah, that's, like, that's been a lot of my experience. You just kind of learn to deal with it because it doesn't stop when you're out of college. Right. Like, life just gives you things you're, like, you need to no figure out how to do this right, right. now. Yeah. And like, yeah, life is on the job training. Yeah, that's so what my whole career if you could call it that has been it's just like no one ever sat me down especially with because the label blink 47 they're based in new york and mm -hmm. i was in i was still in beaverton so it was right. just phone calls and stuff so they would just and they're like really kind of on the move like he's the yeah. artist and sure. the labels he's just like yo i made this like i need you to do this and i was like cool and a lot of it's like you know how to do that and i'm like yeah <laughs> then i just figure it out sure. and just kind of get it done you know yeah and and then that's how a lot of later on, not to jump ahead too much, but I like, you know, I started Fresh Selects as a website based off of my experience with Blink 47, them not really having representation on the with uh, other music blogs at the time. So I was like, all right, let me start the music blog that writes about them and all their kind of uh, extended, you know, family and other people of that kind of sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, later on, like I would just promote artists like, Again, how it started with them, I was just, like, talking about them for free on message boards, just being a nerd. And I started this, you know, music blog for free, just being a nerd, <laughs> promoting different artists. And sometimes I would promote them so well that the labels of the artists would, were on would be impressed, and they would hit me up, like, yo, we hire press agents to do this, and you're doing it better. Like, right. can we hire you? Do you do press? And I was like, yeah. And sure. I didn't know really yeah. like a press agent was a thing. So, I'm right. like, so I just, you know, registered as an LLC and I was like, yeah, I'm a press agency. Uh -huh. <laughs> and just like would, you know, do press for different small labels and just kind of learned it that way. That was like my first like, that was my first like real music industry money was like being a press agent all of a sudden. Uh -huh. Most of it I would just funnel through my own site and then right. other sites that kind of reposted my stuff anyways. Yeah. But yeah, just like. It wasn't until I started the label that I really kind of started uh, 
choosing my own path and being like, this is what I want to do. This is what I've always wanted to do. Okay. I just didn't realize that I could do it until I did. So I want to get to that, yeah. um, but I want, I want to know something first. So how'd you get from Mighty Ducks to YG? Like, yeah, specifically, so, like, w- w- when? <laughs> it's kind of a jump. Well, but it's not that much of a jump because YG loves Queen and there's a big epicness. Okay. So there yeah. is kind of a full circle. But, no, I get uh, it. But, like, what, what, what was your introduction to hip-hop? Yeah, and, like, introduction to hip-hop specifically because, uh, well, so it's, like, the early 90s. So I was kind of, and my dad is, like, you know, 90% of what he listens to is rock music, like Beatles, Rolling mm-hmm. Stones, that kind of stuff. Uh, but me being younger and kind of, like, kind of looking up to your dad but still want to be a bit rebellious i was like okay rock music is cool but i want to find my rock music so i was into like pearl jam nirvana just kind of k-rock radio whatever Mm -hmm. was you know on that at the time yeah uh and then then around like middle school age i'd say like fifth or sixth grade uh you know in new jersey we we catch all the um the new york radio stations so like hot 97 uh, I think just a lot of kids in school were listening to Hot 97, so I was just trying to, like, keep up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was always curious about all genres of music anyways. But uh, so I was listening to Hot 97, and I knew all the, like, big stuff at the time was, like, you know, Biggie had just died. It's so, like that album that came out right after right. he passed, Puff Daddy, Mace. Like, that was everywhere on MTV. And it was cool to me, and I would, like, keep up with it, kind of, like, keep up with the kids, so to speak. But uh, it wasn't until there was, like, a an afternoon, it was, like, cool DJ Red Alert, like Rush Hour, Mega Mix or something like that where at noon he would play like old school mm-hmm. stuff and uh, and like Boogie, I remember, I don't know what it was, it was just Boogie Down Productions, um, still number one, it was just like a big, the first time I heard that, it was just like, wow, what is this? Yeah. And you know, on that record, he's uh, running down a list of just all these different rappers, so I just mm-hmm. kind of use that as like my... Rolodex of oh, where to start, cool. like okay, yeah. Eric B and Rakim or Public Enemy or right. like whoever, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I just kind of went from there. So I really started uh, with hip hop with like the early stuff, even though it was like ten or fifteen years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And then from that, uh, probably the first kind of current group at the time that really got me digging deeper was like the Roots and mm-hmm. Common and that mm-hmm. kind of like late 90s early 2000s like quote-unquote underground you what, do you, know? what do you think was it that spoke to you so much about that music uh it's hard to say like i think it was just how different it was than what i think it, it hit me at the age where you kind of want to like I, I could just tell that i was into music a bit deeper than my friends right because they were they were all into other things they mostly played sports yeah. or you know whatever and i was like music like was my thing like mm-hmm. i never cared about sports and so i was just like yeah like I, that's cool that they like this but they don't even really care they can't even really tell right. you why they like it's just it. something on yeah and then yeah. like i remember i saw the roots video for the next movement and i was just like yeah this just seems different Black rain falling from the sky. 
looked strange. The ghetto was red hot. We stepping on flame. Yo, it's in placing on a price for fame. And it was all the same. But then the antidote came. The black door ill syllabus out the fifth. This heavyweight death. I'm about to live like a father. And you know, there is just kind of like the it's not a gimmick, but just the like kind of shock of like seeing live instruments in a in a rap group at the time was just mm -hmm. like and me coming from a rock background being like oh that's really interesting like mm -hmm. huh and then it just kind of had a jazziness to it and jazz was something that I'd always kind of like at the time now I'm really into it but I jazz always seemed cool to me but I didn't really have anyone to teach me and I didn't really know where right. to start so I was like oh that's dope like that's kind of like what I've been wanting to get into and then they were just one of those it's one of those groups where they just had, it was like, I'm still number one, which is, they just like, oh, they, so they roll with like Common and Most Def and Slum Village. And I was just like, it was this whole world. And then like, oh, they're influenced by De La Soul and A Tribe mm -hmm. Called Quest. So then mm -hmm. when I went back, because I was, you know, I was listening more to like early 80s kind of stuff. Then when I found out about the like, you know, golden age, like mid 90s, Tribe Called Quest and Illmatic and De La Soul. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, like, okay. Like, that was like listening to the Beatles for the first time. Like, wow, yeah. this is where all my favorite groups got it from. You yeah. know, like, this is where it started. For sure. And it's just no turning back, you know, from there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's great. So, so then uh, you said something that I'm curious about. So, you know, you're, you're doing this job now and they're throwing stuff at you that you don't know how to do and mm -hmm. so did, was there a uh like are you intimidated are you just kind of rolling with it like what a little bit of both what, what i guess i think i just got so used to being intimidated that it just became like my natural state of being and it's okay. no longer could be defined as intimidated it okay it's like okay this is what life is like or this yeah. is what you know, work is like, yeah. so it's just, especially like when I was on that tour, I was just so out of my element. I was 19, yeah. my first time out of the country, my first time on tour, yeah. and it was just like, my first time really, because like I said, it was, they were uh, on the East Coast, so I'd never really interacted with artists that much, and it's just a whole different sure. thing, like, even though these were like people I had known, but just working with talent so to speak is just that was my first experience and it was just really just kind of getting thrown in the deep end it was just like you and two grown men on a tour it was like for <laughs> like four weeks straight right you know it was like uh probably like 20 shows or something in 30 days or even there's even less days off than that but uh but yeah that was a big learning experience but that was also kind of the epiphany that i was like because before, it didn't really feel like I was doing anything because I was still in Beaverton. I was still living mm -hmm. at my mom's house, you know, like 19 years old. Uh, and they were just, like, paying me in, like, you know, free shirts that he would get and, like, you know, and all the records that they put out and things like that. Right. But I didn't really feel like it was a career or anything. I knew it was the start of something, and I knew I was super excited. Like, I wasn't... I wasn't like mad about it. I was like, every time they sent me a shirt, I was like, wow. Like it was, you know, it was like Christmas, like, you know, six times a year or That's something. That's great. But, uh, but that was the first time. And I'm and maybe they had paid me for a few things before. I just like yeah. little things that, you know, I was directly involved with kind of giving me like a percentage. But, but they were like, they paid, they not only did they fly me out to Europe, but they like paid right. me each show and I was yep. selling, you know, I was working the merch booth at each show and I was like, you know, they gave me a percentage of that. So I was like, that's probably the most money I made in my yeah. life at the point, yeah. at, at that at that point. So that was huge for me, and it was dope because Wajid told me 
that uh, he brought me out because he wanted me to have that moment. And he didn't really uh-huh. tell me toward, until the end where he could kind of tell I had it because he was like, yo, Slum Village did the same thing to me. They brought me out like right when I – like he had to make a, cho- uh, make a choice between uh, college because he had like a, a arts um, scholarship because he was a really talented artist. Uh, or he could, you know, do music full time, and all his friends were going to Europe, and they wanted him to come with them. And he mm. was like, uh, "All right, I'm gonna go to Europe." Yeah. And then while he was there, he told me he they were like running, trying to catch a train. He just had this moment of like, "This is so fun. Like, this is what I want to do with my whole life." And I had that same That's moment, great. like, and I was I was like sick the whole time we were out there. So it was I was miserable, and I loved it. I was like, sure. "If I'm this miserable and I still love it, that's how I know <laughs> like this is really what I want to do forever." You yeah. Know? So yeah, that. So once I came back from the tour, that's when the wheels started turning, and that's when I was like, all right, I got to start my own thing, and that's when you know I started Fresh Selects as a blog. Mm-hmm. And 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 how long did that take uh, before you you know started really getting noticed? And it was it was actually pretty immediate. Like yeah. I, I was fortunate because like the f- one of the first things I posted was what year is that? Uh, it was 2008. It was like the summer okay. of 2008. And Wajid was super supportive. And because, uh, you know, he could have been like Max. Essentially, I was like leaving them to kind of start my own thing. So he could have like been like, all right, then, you know. But he was super supportive. He gave me exclusive content to premiere on the site. And one of the first things I premiered, I think, within the first week of the site existing was a song he he had done a song with Jay Dilla and this was like a year or so after he passed and then he did a remix and he had uh, a verse that was unreleased on the previous version and Dilla had just passed and like there was a lot of beats and stuff of his work that was floating around that were like still exciting but there it was it was even more rare to hear uh him rapping that mm-hmm. people hadn't heard yet mm-hmm. so like to have a scoop like that in the first week of existing as sure. a website was huge for me yeah. and not only that he was uh he was in london at the time and uh uh benji b who's like one of my favorite djs uh he was on uh while she was on benji b show on bbc one okay. i think and uh he like he was playing you know tracks and he played that song and he was like yo check out freshselects.net my man kenny been working with me for years he just started his own site like went out of his way oh, to nice. pick me up that that was crazy and then the other guy uh, that i was on that tour with to rock he gave me some exclu- like an exclusive beat cd and like two tracks to post in the first week too so ever since then it just kind of like took off and it just yeah it kind of like became its own thing like pretty immediately i mean it, it grew to be much bigger sure. than that but like yeah, of course. i didn't have to like go through like years of just being like an anonymous blog spot that no one, right. you know, found. I was like, yeah. pretty much had I had a pretty unfair advantage. <laughs> and and were you you were pretty aware of that, so you like you knew right away that you were onto something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew that's why, like I said, like I don't really like to just jump into anything if I don't feel like I'd be great at it. So that's yeah. why I started the site. Cause I was like, nah, like I have all these artists I know they would give me exclusive stuff because no one else is even asking. Like, all the other sites at the time, they were just all obsessed with, like, the same mm-hmm. type of rap. Like, now I just kind of look back at it and call it, like, blog rap. Like, a lot yeah. of it isn't even around anymore. Yeah. But it was all, like, all the sites cared about. And I wasn't really into it. So I was like, all right, let me start my own thing. And then all those other sites, slowly but surely, they started to, like, repost my content and, like, you know, link back to me and everything. And now... uh 
a lot of then all those artists then kind of became like they kind of trickled in to that and i feel like it did not just my site there was other sites doing it too but uh after a while it did really start to diversify and like you would start seeing more kind of cross genre stuff or kind of like i don't really know what to call the type of music i was working with it's like outsider r&b like <coughs> you know really like, what? like um like at the time it was like this group sara mm-hmm. jay davy georgia and muldrow uh, Wajid's group Platinum Pie Pipers all that kind of stuff that was like as much hip hop beat driven as it was R&B and soul with a little bit of funk to it and sometimes it would get kind of a bit electronic as well so right. like and most of the music blogs were either like we're a rap blog mm-hmm. we're a rock blog we're Pitchfork we're two dope boys you know yeah. and I was just like alright well I'm gonna I'm the blog for everything that falls in between, like all those kind of intersecting points in the yeah. Venn diagram, you know? Sure. And that's kind of what I did with the label, too. It's kind of the same concept. Just like all these great artists I knew from, you know, doing the blog. And I'm like, why aren't they on a label? Like, how comes no one's signing them? It's because they didn't fit into like these kind of boxes that had kind of been set up or these labels that kind of put themselves in like oh we put out rappers we put out this type of r&b or we put right. out beat cds sure. like all right cool i'm gonna put out a bcd from this guy r&b you know from this like this this weird kind of jazzy singer songwriter stuff like i don't care as long as it's good like i'll put it out you know so is that harder like i was i was i was looking through my vinyl the other night yeah and you know i you remember they had stickers like on on the twelve inches. It's like file under. Right, right, right? and it tells yeah, you. Yeah, it gets to be a problem for me sometimes. Like I'm uh, at, at some point, I'm just like put it under whatever you want. Like right. it doesn't really change. But, the music but it seems to like me. you know at least in it, like with with digital music, right? You know, so much of that's gone away. Right. right, and there's so much of like yeah, like you have to choose what category it goes under for iTunes, but I try not right. to trip off of that too much for me honestly i look at it as more of a marketing thing like well what sure. are we more likely yeah, to get featured on like right. is, is like the r&b and soul editor more into this all right well then that's an r&b and soul right. record but yeah, if the jazz sure. editor is more into it, i'm like all right call it jazz mm-hmm. you know the same people are still gonna find it eventually because people aren't looking so much by genre they'll just look for the artist name so i don't really care too much and i really tried to stay away from i try to never like uh, refer to things too specifically. I don't care about subgenres. Like I hate when people call things like neo soul or mm-hmm. underground, blah blah blah. It's just like nah. It's just like I prefer like the bigger categories, if anything, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't really concern myself too much with it. Like as long as it's good, we'll find a way to promote it. But it is that's how I see it. But the industry is still set up somewhat in yeah, that for model sure. for press, right. for touring, for everything. So you do kind of have to play the game, but well, I think part of it is, uh, you know, some of it is just, we, we, we grew up in the industry, grew up in a certain way of thinking. And, yeah. and as much as the world changes, it's hard to make that change. For sure. Know? But I think some of it is also just like, well, then what do you do? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I was talking about this, somebody the other day they're like you know you know kids my age like you could sort of define your whole personality your whole style based on what kind of music you listen for to. sure and right. even like like what i was saying in when i was in middle school you kind of define yourself by what radio station you listen right. to yeah like I, sure. I, I grew up a k-rock kid then i became a hot 97 then i right. listened to wbls for like p-rock and marley ma like right. you you could like 
it was but most kids are like one or the other you know right. they never exactly. change the dial exactly but then i feel like napster and everything that came after is just what blew the hinges off that because sure. before to 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 hear an album you pretty much had to buy it right and to buy it is like a 1899 investment and if you were a yeah. kid like that's a lot of money that's yeah. as much money as you have for the month or the week at mm-hmm. least so you got to choose carefully so you're not really taking risks outside of your genre you're like right. nah i'm buying this dr dre album because i know because eminem's on it and i like eminem yeah but you know napster you're like oh i've been hearing about Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing about check it out. Red Man. Like, let me yep. just download it and see what it is. For sure. That's why you see kids these days. Like, you know, I feel like my gen- I'm 28. I feel like my generation was the. I was in middle school when Napster came out, so I'm, I feel like my generation is one of the last to kind of know both worlds. Where like I remember being excited about Tuesday release dates, and I remember when CDs cost 19.99, and you, you know, you or I would like. I really, I would really, really want an album, but I would just wait to find it used so I can get it for nine ninety nine. You yeah, know? for sure. But uh, kid, like I feel like if you're twenty five or twenty one, like you don't really know that half of like you just know like oh, I just listen to it on YouTube or like right. stream it on Spotify, yeah, which yeah, is cool too because they're way more open genre wise. Sure. But I do, but I think they might appreciate it a bit less. It's a bit more disposable because it's mm-hmm. just like give it thirty seconds or their their favorite albums they don't own you know right yeah absolutely i mean I, I definitely feel like you know when you have to dig and you have to go yeah you know to the store and spend if that i bought money an album and, and i hated it i would listen to it a lot still because yeah. i'm like that was you might $20. like it you like, might yeah, like it I, I, you have to give it a chance For sure. like this better grow on me you not be pissed at the artist i'll be like damn right you really did me wrong oh yeah for sure <laughs> now it's like oh that's cool like right. yeah, i just, didn't spend anything on it anyways you know it's like exactly. yeah it's just funny switch the channel yeah exactly Big shout out to our sponsors at Wix.com. Thank you to Wix for supporting the Rebel Radio Show. And the rest of you, you need a website for your business, your personal portfolio. Whatever your hustle is, you need a site that you can send around. You don't need to spend a bunch of money hiring a designer, a coder, all that stuff. Just go to Wix.com. There's hundreds of templates you can choose from. It's real easy to customize. Drop in all your images, your text all that stuff. And the result is a great looking website that you made yourself for free and it's fast and easy. So save a bunch of time, money, and all that, get it done. There's no credit card required or none of that hassle. You can get your website live today. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. But you know, what do you think, like even beyond music, you know, I think so much of people's identity was like, I'm a hip hop head or I'm a rock. Yeah. You know, and you could look at, you could walk into any high school in America yeah. and you could tell. Just by their outfit, how they talk. What people listen to, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that seems like it's kind of cheesy. You know, it seems like one of those cheesy teen movies, right? right? But, you know, it's, but having lived through it, like it served a real purpose. It was real to an, yeah. You know, like, and, and there's always like outliers and exceptions, but. Of course. 
but by and large, like, yeah. But it, <laughs> served, really but it, it served a purpose, right, in that you could kind of organize your life. Right. You would choose your friends. Like, if you right. like punk, you're going to hang out with the punks. Exactly. If you like hip-hop. Like, in high school, I hung out with the breakdancers uh-huh. because, like, and they weren't even really into <laughs> that much, but they were the closest thing to it yeah. at my high school. So yeah. I was like, all right. And I never would breakdance or anything. I'd be the right. one guy in the crew who would just kick it. <laughs> and I would just kind of bring the music, but, like, people sure. would assume I danced. I was like, nah, I can't do right. any of that shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so how do kids like how, how do you do that now? Like yeah, how do you organize your life now reach, if yeah. if you don't have those easy rules to tell you kind of what to like and yeah, how to Yeah, I don't know. I think uh for me it just kind of like the friends I do make it just kind of comes naturally like well, it's interesting cuz when I come to LA probably 95% of the people I know here are through music. So right. it is kind of going back to that. Sure. But it is still like different walks of music. Like even on my label, like uh, I think they all respect it, but there's certain artists who kind of like, I know, I don't even send them the, the new release I'm putting out because I'm like, this isn't really your thing. Like You guys right. are on the same label, yeah. but like you guys don't do yeah, the same thing. Sure. And I think they respect that though because uh, sometimes they can feel threatened if they do do the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, like are they better at it than me? But I'm like, yo, they're not even making the <laughs> same music. But so I, I have all these friends from kind of different walks of life, like more like earthy kind of spiritual, jazzy stuff and then more just like straight up like rap dudes who just want to like drink beer and smoke blunts and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, break beats and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah, I don't know. As an adult, like I think some of that still does carry over, but then you just like... You just meet real people. Like, and that's kind of what I part of what I like about living in Portland and working with artists that live wherever. Most the majority of my artists do not live in Portland. I have like one right. there now. Uh, so it does kind of keep my life separate. And my friends in Portland, they're like they know what I do and they support it, but they don't really, they're not really impressed or they don't really right. care. Like they're not like, sure. and sometimes I come out here and people are like, oh man, like I heard you just do like congrats, which is cool too. Like it's important to have both, sure. but they really keep me grounded. They're like, you know, I'll try to tell them, just kind of share them some news, just trying to tell them what's going on in my life. You know, like, oh man, like I just signed this artist. And like, cool. Whatever. Like <laughs> they yeah. don't care, sure. but that's good. Like I, I need that. I yeah. think, you know, it's good to keep balanced. Because, you know, sometimes you, I see other people, they just surround themselves with just, like, people who are so in their world yeah. and they can't really. A big, I think a big part of being a record label or any kind of anything on the business side of music is being objective and, like, hearing an artist and being able to see how this fits into the grand scheme of what's going on right now. And a lot of people, a lot of times the artists themselves are just so secluded in their own like small tight knit mm-hmm. circle that they can't really see the forest for the trees sometimes yeah but in bo- both in good and bad ways i know a lot of artists are like yeah this is cool you know i know a lot of other people i'm like no this is incredible like you have no idea like people are going to be blown away and they're like really and other times people are like yeah like this is the best and i'm like you don't really listen to much music do you like everyone is doing that right, right. now you know so it goes both ways yeah, but uh but yeah i think i think it really helps me kind of keep like a big picture sense of things because i'm not so immersed it immersed in it in my daily life i have to like it keeps me having having to seek it out so when did you launch the label i launched i turned the it's kind of this innocuous brand i turned the fresh selects the brand because even the music blog i think was kind of winding down uh Mm -hmm. into a label at the end of 2013 so we're in like our third year now and was that like a like was a business decision like you knew it was time to like 
kind of it was a little bit of down. both but really what it was it was just as simple as realizing that i could yeah like owning a record like always in my mind i was like oh man it'd be so great to own a record label but i'm not a big like dreamer like that and just owning a record label seems like something that a millionaire does like it doesn't seem like something you could do and i've right. never been a millionaire so i was just right. like you know so i was just my plan was to keep doing the music blog i kind of use the music blog as like teaching myself like i said i was I would talk to people who are in marketing and I'll tell them what I do and they're like, Yeah, that's a job. Like you could you could do that. I'm like, Really? So okay, I'm gonna keep doing this just for I never made any money off the website. I'm gonna keep doing this. No ads. No, like I, yeah. I tried ads towards the end, but they just made so little money and they were yeah. ugly, so I was just like, nah, this is not yeah. it. I took them off. But uh uh but uh so I was just like, Yeah, I'm gonna do the website for free because I love it and kind of be my passion project. And I'll use this as kind of my like living portfolio or resume mm-hmm. and get like some cool marketing job and then make like save up some money from that. And then once I'm like, you know, have like a decent amount, then I'll start a label. And I did that and it was cool, but I found out pretty quickly, again, going back to like I can't do it if it's not something I what like. What kind of marketing work were you doing? Uh, like social media stuff, okay. like for different brands and really cool brands. And they were cool jobs. Like that's just like how I was talking about the tour. Like it was a terrible experience because I was sick, but I loved it. And then the jobs I got were great jobs and I sh- but I just, and I just didn't care. So that's yeah. how I knew like this isn't, it's like yeah. dating a beautiful woman and you're just miserable. You're like, it's, doesn't matter like it's still not there if it's not there so i was like yeah this isn't it and then at the so i left that and i was just kind of trying to figure out what i could do to kind of make it work and uh a friend of mine his name is ringo he goes by mind design when he produces he Mm -hmm. uh he'd been putting out like beat tapes and stuff uh and i would like always you know write about him on my site He started just like going to like Goodwill and stuff and buying like exercise tapes that had like 25 cassettes and just like hand dubbing them and putting his beats over them. Oh, wow. And uh, he would sell them on Bandcamp, like a run of like 10 copies for like 10 each. Wow. And they would sell out. Yeah. And, you know, I bought a few of them, but if, uh, some of them like be, would be sold out before I even saw it. They were selling like in an hour because mm-hmm. 10 copies, you know. And I was like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> that's genius, but also dumb as hell at the right. same time. I was like, man, that's super cool. But, like, then I, I looked into it and how much it cost to manufacture tapes, and it was super cheap. Like, a few, right. you know, if you do enough, it's like a dollar a tape. Yeah. So I was like, man, like, how about, like, how about I, like, start a label and we, like, press, like, the next release you're going to put out. Like, let's uh, do a run of, like, I think we started at 250 tapes. And let's see if we could sell it, sell out in, like, a month. And he was like, yeah, all right, cool. So I just, I just did it. And, uh, and yeah, like on the 30th day we sold our last tape and I was like, wow, like that was, and I think I made my, but the money back that I invested in making the tapes, I made it back in like the second day. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, this is, I mean, it wasn't crazy money, yeah, but sure. I, I didn't lose any. And I was right. like, wow, this is crazy. Like I could really do this. And then I just started thinking about all the projects that I'd put out as a blog or just that were a free download, like 
you know, there's all these like expired like uh, like Z Share and Media Fire links from like mixtapes or legit full albums that came out in the internet era of like or the blog era of like 2009, 2010. Right. They're not on iTunes or anywhere. I'm like, oh man. So originally my idea was just to take my favorites of those projects and just put them out on tape. So that was, I started reaching out to different artists and, you know. And that's really cassette. Yeah, as a cassette. And like, you know, it would come with, when you buy it through Bandcamp, it would come through a digital, come right. with a digital Didn't download. Too, yeah. So like, you know, I have an older car. I have a 2001 car, so it has a tape deck in it. But a lot of people that buy it, they just like, they think it's funny. And they mm-hmm. just like put it on their it's desk like or like a mantle. Yeah. yeah. And it was like $10. Yeah. And I feel like, and I've noticed this kind of like paradigm shift where people, people don't really f- want to buy they like want to support artists, but they feel weird about spending ten dollars for just like digital MP3s, especially when they could just stream it for free. Right. So if like if they get something with it, even if it's just like a little, even yeah. if it's just a tape that they'll never once play, it just makes them feel better about it. Like at least I got something from it, and I so, like you have some ownership of this. Like kind of like what you were talking about, like when you want to rep and show what you. What you what you listen to, you could just have a tape collection and be like, these are my favorite artists. When you come in over my apartment, you can see I'm into tapes, you know? Yeah, and it's so interesting you say that because, like, I mean, that sounds so simple, but how come the music industry doesn't understand yeah. that? Yeah, I think they, they kind of slowly are catching. I think that's, that's the big thing with the big vinyl resurgence. I feel like a lot of people that are buying vinyl at Whole Foods and at Urban Outfitters are not listening to those records. But they're right. just putting them on their wall. For sure. They're like, I, you know, I got Sgt. Pepper's, you know, on my wall. And, like, and they paid $25 for it. They didn't know you could get it used for, like, $3, right. <laughs> you know, anywhere. But, uh, and, you know, there's, like, and a lot of people, I talk about this with a lot of labels, but a lot of people are doing those, like, colored vinyls with the cool-looking yeah. tie-dye and stuff. Yeah. A lot of them sound terrible because yeah. it's just the way that they manufacture it. Right. But the people who buy those aren't listening to them, so it doesn't matter. You sure. can charge them for more. So I think people, I think the music industry has adapted to that in the last few years but uh but yeah so that was my plan with the label originally just like with everything i do just like really simple plan that seemed doable something that i could do that no one else was doing and then yeah i was just mostly going to do re-releases and then uh low leaf this she actually used to live with ringo they're really good friends and i had worked with her on the blog she you know i made like a big like announcement on all my social media like yeah i'm starting the label this is the first release. So she reached out to me. She's like, hey, I'm finishing up an album. Like, can I put it out through you? I was like, yeah. Like, again, going back to, like, people asking if I'm a press agency, like, just kind of assuming I do one thing. I'm like, yeah. Like, you, like, she is exactly the type of artist I should be putting out because she's an artist that, like, she wouldn't fit on any other label that existed at the time because she has just this, like, very unique amalgam of sounds where it's like, Alice Coltrane meets Joanna Newsom. Light waves, towers in the sun, listening. Tell me about the night waves, secrets of the moon, secrets of the moon. There's not really any other label that would mess with that, especially Mm -hmm. in like the quote unquote underground, you know, it's a very 
very man heavy yeah, <laughs> like, sure. like you know a lot of like 90 you go to a show and it's like 90 percent dudes bopping their heads to beats i'm like no that's not what i want to be like yeah i should put out low leaf so <laughs> that like so that changed the so i never even really got too far off the ground with the whole re-release thing like mind designs was a, a re-release of something he'd put out just a few months before as digital only then my second release was an original album that's so much more fun with that. I was like, well, let's just, I didn't know I could do that. Like, again, right. that seemed like something that was really expensive. But, you know, most artists I work with, they record at home. A friend of mine, like, taught himself how to mix. And, you know, for another project I was doing with Wajid years ago, and he's just been getting better and better. So he just mixes and masters all my stuff. And mm -hmm. then, like, yeah, with each project, I would put in a little bit, I would invest a little bit more money. Because, I'm, you know, I started this super in debt just putting it on my credit card and being like yeah. i hope i get this back <laughs> otherwise but i'm like once you're already in debt it's kind of like well i mean what's some more debt you it's know just numbers man. yeah it's like it's numbers that i don't have so i might as well not have some more of it yeah. you know <laughs> so uh so each time i'll just kind of invest a little bit more and eat and it would always come back you know so it's like cool and now i'm in like my third year and i i finally maybe in the last six months or so i feel like I think I'm a real record label now. Like I could do like vinyl. I got le very legitimate distribution deals in place. I got right. strong press agents, like all the things that it takes. I got kind of like a, a volunteer staff forming around me that helps me out, like really quality artists. I'm finding artists early on that like then major label A&Rs are calling me like, yo, like where did you find them? Like we need them on our label, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, damn, like – think i'm a label now right. like it, it actually happened it yeah. still kind of blows my mind but and are, yeah. are you uh was there a moment when you first had that feeling uh maybe with with low leaf's album she's an artist where she had actually put out two things on vinyl before uh and vinyl especially for artists who really like care about the music like i do and just like music kind of nerds so to speak uh, getting on vinyl is kind of this like <clears throat> level, you yeah. know. So she had she was on that level, right. and I wasn't as a label. She was my second release, and the first one was just on cassette. Yeah. And like you know, the difference, like again, I could put out uh, like five hundred cassettes for like five hundred dollars. Put out five hundred records is like three thousand dollars plus shipping would be like thirty five hundred. Yeah. Um, like I don't have that. Like my yeah. credit, I don't have that much room on the credit card. <laughs> so, uh, so I told her and I appreciated her being patient with me. I was like, all right, let's let's put it on cassette first because mine is not being on cassette made a little bit more sense because it, it's a beat tape. You know, it's like it's in the name. Hers is like a really it's like a spiritual jazz R and B singer songwriter album. Right. It doesn't it's like it's kind of a stretch being on cassette, yeah. but. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, yeah, let, let me put it out on tape, and if we make enough money back, even if just, like, half of what it costs to mm -hmm. put it on vinyl, then I'll put it on vinyl because I want to do vinyl too. I just don't want to lose, you know, my livelihood in the in the process. And, like, we hit that mark, like, pretty within, like, a month or two, and then we sent away, and, you know, it took forever for it to get made, but, like, right. five, six months later, we got the record back, and I think actually having the record, I was like, I think that might have been one of those moments where it was like, this is happening. Like I could yeah. do, like I could do this now. It was like in a video game. It was like a power up or like a, <laughs> a new, you know, a new skill achieved. I was like, yeah. wow, I could do vinyl. Like that's cool. great. So yeah, I think that was definitely a big turning point for me. And so have has a you know seems like, I mean, I love the way you describe it of just like just doing stuff, just saying yes. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I say no to. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, those ones well, just I wanna, seem like I wanna, stupid. I want to hear say. about some of those, but 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 I'm wondering, like, at some point, does there become a vision? Like, is there a, yeah, is there that's a goal where I'm at now? now? Is there a plan yeah, for, now like, I've, what you want to build? Exactly. Like, uh, starting the label was the first thing of me, yeah. like, making a very clear decision. Like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to make this work. It might take some time, but I'm going to invest all my energy, all my debt <laughs> into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, within that, there was many, like, kind of little pivots of just based off opportunities that came. But then uh, from the pivot, I would then kind of re-strategize and like i'm very very focused and very for the the first time ever uh, i wrote like a five-year business plan like maybe like six months ago and i was looking at that and i was like damn it was that like i was looking at the end of it and i was like that'd be crazy but i was looking at the in-between i'm like this is all super doable like this is very realistic like damn it's gonna be tight in five years you know that's cool but yeah no and and where did that idea come from like did somebody I was trying to, I don't know, I was just trying to, like, get, uh, I was just trying to get some funding. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to, you know, write out a business plan and, like, yeah. start pitching, like, private investors and stuff like that. But the way that the the world and just kind of how my life works, I ended up not even having to use it, and it came from other places. But I think the act of me doing it somehow, mm-hmm. like, I feel like a lot of these things, like Wajid reaching out to me, seemingly out of nowhere, but when I think about it, I'm like, really, I had worked for that without mm-hmm. knowing I was working for that, but I was nerding out about him on the internet for probably three years, you right. know? So it wasn't out of nowhere. He reached out to me. He didn't, yeah. wasn't reaching out to, like, the first per- yeah, yeah. person that emailed him. They were like, yo, you're Kenny. We've been looking for you. Right. So, like, it's that's kind of been a thing where I just, like, put in the work because I want to and it's what I'm passionate about, and then, like, it somehow cashes out <laughs> at some point. Uh, but now I'm trying to be a bit more, try to focus the laser beam to certain things that I, I know, like, you know, try to be a bit more intentional with yeah. it and just to be a more responsible business person, you know, yeah. but yeah, so, that's, that's I know, where I'm at now. So I know something big happened at the Grammys, right? The, yeah, that was a cool thing. And that Kendrick. was, yeah. And that was mostly like through the artists, like a lot of my, I guess it's like equal parts, like luck and skill. So wait, remind me, what was the song? So Kendrick Lamar started off his Grammy performance by replaying a beat by an artist named Amano Mari that I had put out on my label. Right. So it's it's like not a big deal, and it is a big deal at the same time. Well, it's not so, a big deal because he's just like yeah. It's not our song being played, and you know, it's, it's not just, like your guy was up on stage. Right, but just the fact that. Aman Omari is listening to my right. release. I mean, that uh, Kendrick Lamar is listening to my releases, and he's the biggest rapper in the world right now. And he liked it enough to include it on the biggest stage in the world at that time. Like, that was dope. That was a cool So moment. what does that do for you? Is that just, does that just fuel you personally, or does the phone start ringing? Both. Yeah. yeah. And it could have done nothing. Right. Because, and that's what I've learned, is like, I'm pretty, pretty modest and humble by nature, but for business, you kind of have to capitalize on those moments. And I and I always try to be conscious of this line of, like, you don't want to over-promote. And I think a lot of my following or audience, I don't even really like using those terms, but it's just I think they appreciate more than anything my sincerity, mm-hmm. and they never feel like I'm, like, some guy up on the hill, like, killing it, and they're, like, some peon, you know? Right. Like, they're, like, I think they, they look at me and they're, like, yo if he could start a label I could and so when I like have little successes they're like damn like 
that's dope because that means that I could be successful when I start mine, you know. Well, but funny. so so with that moment, I I did I did want to call attention to it because if you if, you if we didn't say anything, it could have very easily just gone gone unnoticed because right. it's like just a replaying of a of, yeah. a, of a loop. Sure. But you know, we made I just kind of made a few social media posts about it, and then like the local press in Portland picked it up just off of seeing my Facebook. I didn't pitch it to anyone or anything. And then it's just something that comes up, like the fact that you mentioned it right now and I didn't tell you that. Sure. Like it just, it comes up and it, it does yeah. help with kind of like, you know, the music industry, like any industry, it is validation is important. Anyone mm-hmm. who wants to invest in you or work with you in any way, they do little things like that help. Like, okay, it's just it's just like, He's not just making some like no name shit that no one's hearing and like it's not official. Like, right. oh damn, like he's like onto something and the people at the top are noticing. Yeah, and that like matters to people who could you know provide certain opportunities. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny you say that, like, because I feel like hip hop, you know, like we tend to associate hip hop with the opposite of that. With like, right. you know, you talking about how many cars you have and how, right, how right, dope right. you are and but you're yeah. living at home with mom and that's why i've never been like a hundred percent hip-hop like right. i've always and like with the label i kind of decidedly like early on i was like i don't want to put out rap music on the label because mm-hmm. it's just as the uh, as as the blog was like maybe 50 percent hip-hop and everyone just called it a rap blog right and that would kind of bother me yeah, of course. i'm like but it's not like I I used to post about Low Leaf and Coltrane and all these right. like more soulful things. But just the way that content works in that world is it's much more slower moving. Yeah. And there's way more rappers and the rappers put out way more content. So like even if like my what I listen to at home is probably like 75 percent other stuff, 25 percent hip hop, the 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 what was represented on the site was probably the inverse of that right. and i and I, saw, I was like damn how do i change that and then again i was like well i'll just be the label that signs all the other stuff and right. i'll create more content for it because those artists are just they're less hustle driven than rappers and that's largely what i appreciate about them they're much mm-hmm. more sincere and just like artists artists you know did you have models as you started thinking about you know the label started taking shape and you started thinking about this five-year plan and all that like yeah, there, a lot of it was like based off of what I had after. seen with Bling Forty Seven and the other labels I'd worked for. With Bling Forty Seven, like they were like definitely like a positive example, but a lot of other labels were ones of just like uh, more so just being very aware of their pitfalls and where they went wrong or like you know so they started give, off real give me an modest. Example. Like a lot of like a, a a story that I've seen a lot lately. Uh, with like indie labels from the 90s and stuff like that. They start off how I did, just really kind of passion projects, DIY, pressing up cassettes, whatever. Uh, and then like one of their artists hits or gets signed by a major and they come up on some money and then they they start taking that money and they try to sign the next artist that sounds like they just kind of sure. start chasing the hits yeah. and then they end up bankrupt, owing all their artists. Like I was reading an article about two different labels that from, from the 90s that owe like all their artists like millions of dollars. And I was like, damn, like, and at first I was like, how, like, those idiots, how could they do that? But then I was thinking, like, no, like, it's it's easy to fall into that gap. Like, you have to, yeah. like, really, like, it's hard to, if you someone gives you a bunch of money to then still, I think it's important to spend it like you don't have it because mm-hmm. that's how you got, you know, like, up things a little bit. You don't have to, like, you know, cut so many corners. But I think it's important to keep everything reasonable and, you know, remember that, like, 
I didn't get to where I'm at by buying my way there. So you can't buy your way to the next level. Like, you know, certain things are going to take more investment than others, but you got to match it with more work than ever, you know? Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. It was like seeing what other people have done wrong and, and just trying to like chase, like people kind of chasing trends or the opposite where they're like, this is what we do. We put out this type of music and with any type of music, I don't care if it's punk, rock, country, like it it comes and goes it in phases. Sure. So like you're only going to be around for as long as that phase is. And maybe it'll come back in 20 years and people will be like, oh, that sound was really cool. This label was the best at it. You could do like a retrospective, but you're already extinct at that point, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. why I don't, try, I don't try to, you know, dock my boat to any one, you know, sound or anything. It's like, it's just whatever... Like, the only kind of cohesive element behind my releases, to me, is just, like, things, like, more vague things, like originality and, you know, attention to detail and strong songwriting. It's not, like, you can't say I'm a rap label. Right. Like, people use, because when people would say I was a rap blog, in my head, I'd be like, damn, they're right. Like, it is pretty much a rap blog. <laughs> Even though right. in my head, like, I'm not, yeah. that's not me. But now, like, I just feel like I'm a music label. So how, how do you decide, like, I, you know, we had Peanut Butter Wolf on the show. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, you you remind me, like, you know, your label reminds me of, of Stone's Throw a little bit, um, especially with the, the diversity mm. of, you know, different types of artists. And, you know, I asked him how, how, like, how do you decide who belongs on the label, who doesn't? And he just said, I just put out shit I like. Yeah, that's it's the same thing with me and almost to a fault, like, like lately I've been talking to I'm in this weird place where like major label A&Rs are reaching out to me and like trying to sign my artists or just kind of like sniffing them out but then uh, then we'll get to talking about music and stuff and they'll be they'll they'll like recommend artists that they love that they wish they could sign but just like you know mm -hmm. they they wouldn't work for their labels and they're not like right they're not the next Kitty Perry, you know? But they're like, oh, you should, you know? And they would, like, send me stuff. And a lot of the stuff I would already kind of, like, seen around. But uh, some of it, they're like, oh, man, you would kill with this. And I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, like, someone's going to make a lot of money with this, but it's just not me. It doesn't, like, speak to me. And I couldn't, any record that I put out, I have to listen to it, like, 5,000 times between, like, the going over the final mixes and the mastering and, like, so I got to love it because I'm going to hear it a lot. Yeah. And it's going to be with me my entire life. You know, but uh, yeah, I do try to be, uh, I do try to be mindful of what other labels are doing, and so that I don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like with Stone's Throw, mm -hmm. like I, I do not want to be the next Stone's Throw because Stone's Throws exist. Like you don't right. need to Stone's Throws. Yeah. Uh, so like when I started, I very purposefully would sign things that like ah they would never put this out. But then they, they've started to sign a lot of those exact artists. Yeah. Like Mind Design went on the Stone's Throw. And just, yeah. and just recently, a, a certain artist, I don't want to say because they haven't announced it yet, but him particularly, I was like, oh, this is just more like songwriter-driven, really serious, kind of deeper music. Like that's not really the kind of Stone's Throw taste. Uh, they would never put this out. And then he called me like, yo, my other group, we just signed a Stone's Throw. I was like. Oh man, like, <laughs> but it's cool. I got uh, I got other things, but but they're sure. not the only one. There's other labels. There's a lot of labels right now. We all kind of like there's a lot of artists that are all kind of seem to be yeah. talking to a lot of us. Sure. But uh, 
but yeah, so I just kind of go with my intuition and what speaks the most to me and what I feel like I could do better than other labels could, you know. So talk about, I mean, as you know, that's such a personal thing for you, right? Yeah. And uh, and yet you have this five year plan, right? You know, to grow, and so I guess I'm wondering, like, the the way you're talking about your business, like, how does that scale? Yeah. Um, uh, that's that's the question to find. Uh, I think the question in five years will be like, how did it? How how did that happen? Okay. But uh, I mean, the five year plan is like I already forgot what it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, but a lot of it was things that I just kind of already been thinking in my head. Right. And just kind of it was my first time putting them down on paper. But I think the answer to that is like things have have already naturally scaled on their own. Like coming from re-releases on cassettes to then original albums on cassettes and then that being on vinyl now i got distribution overseas and really focusing on europe and japan mm-hmm. and like doing press in different languages uh and then you know i'd sign an artist and they get signed to uh, a, a bigger label <coughs> after me and now we're like signing artists uh with like for you know i was just signing like one album at a time with artists because right. that's all i could do sure. but now I've grown to a point where I can sign up for you know a few projects at a time and it and it's fair because I I'm offering them mm-hmm. now a name and and more resources than I started off with so really like the five year plan is just to keep this momentum going and to just keep you know adding slowly but surely uh, what has always been the driving force and that it, it's. It's hard to say without sounding like a narcissist, but the driving force has always been just my own personal taste and just mm-hmm. what I like and what I care about. So, like, that's the thing that works. That's going to be the constant. Everything else is just being smart about how we grow from that and not trying to do too much at once, but just, like, like I like for the demands to be there first. Like, people... Right. Like, you know, I don't like I, I, I know some people who have started record labels and before they even have their first release out. They have stickers and shirts. I'm like, that's cool. But like, right. do you, well, what are you going to put out? Like you're a record label. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, a, you're not a sticker company, you know. Right. So like I've, I've never done stickers or shirts or anything like that. And yeah. now people have been asking me for it. So I'm like, OK, now we should do it because I think people would want them and we should do it right. We should do live like really cool looking stickers, you know, uh, and like, you know, shirts that are a bit different, not just like look like everyone else's so just yeah i just i'm just gonna keep doing what i what i've been doing and signing stuff that i like and and really just upping the frequency too because i've been sure i think so far we've put out maybe like two or three releases a year just out of necessity that's really all i could do but now this year my big thing is putting out a release of some sort at least once a month whether it's an ep or a single but a lot of them will be albums and i've got it i've got like 10 or 15 projects signed and they're all incredible and they're all like diverse So, so so how big how big do you think this can get and how big do you want it to get? I'm not really too concerned about it. Like as long as it can sustain, that's my biggest thing. Like I, I've never I just want it to last as long as it possibly can. I'm really not trying to like get rich and then just like retire. Like I want to do this like for as long as I can, like mm-hmm. well into my however old I get, you know? Uh so yeah, I'm not really worried about like I'm not trying, I don't want to be like a a major label. And that's another thing is I've been having majors and bigger independent labels offer to kind of buy me out Mm -hmm. or offer me to join their label group or like, 
you know, partner up and stuff like that. And that's something I'm not really into. Like, that's not what I'm in it for. I wasn't like, it's not like, you know, I built this app just so I could sell it to sure. someone, yeah. make a bunch of money and retire in the Cayman Islands or something. Like, this is like, I'm building something for me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, this yeah. is like just my daily activity and just, you know, I am trying to live off it. Like, I don't have any other job and I would like all my artists to be able to live off it so they don't have to like work day jobs and stuff like that so that's you know like that's obviously the bare minimum and I would like for it to get as big as it can get without having to start to make big compromises because a lot of things especially in music if you start to get too big it just doesn't work like some of the releases I've put out some of the things I will put out if I put a million dollars into them that doesn't mean they're gonna sell two million you know like certain music is just meant to be small but you know you could it could still grow bigger than where it's at now but it's not gonna be overnight and it's not gonna be something that'll be bought it's something that kind of has to be nurtured within the audience you know how how hard is it for the artist to get that to get what? Like, like to you understand know, that? Yeah, those those yeah. expectations about it can be. T- I mean, most of the artists that I work with, they they're kind of in the same boat. Like, they're just like, this is what I do. I'm not doing this like to to gain something specifically. Like, if like one of my artists, uh, his name is Dolphin. He's actually already recorded 50 albums and has never released any of them. Wow publicly you know yeah. i have like 35 of them but he yeah. just gave them to me yeah. like he just records that's just what he does like that's just how he lives and why do some relate others think that i'm different that's a bit of an extreme example but it's it's real like mm-hmm. this is just what these people do it's what's in them it's what they want to put out into the world uh, I mean of course everyone's trying to like live as, as good as they can off of that but like it's not it's not money motivated uh, you know music right. and but but sometimes it is hard. It is always tough for me to. That's one of the hardest parts of the job is trying to. Because like I said, a big um, necessity for being in business, maybe especially with music, is being objective. And it's hard to because the artist can't be objective most of the time. Right. And the ones who can usually like I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the type of stuff that I like, but my favorite artists tend to be super difficult as people. <laughs> but like, I think it makes for incredible art, you know. Yeah. Even you know, like Prince and Miles Davis, like yeah. it would have been hell to have been their record label. But can you imagine putting out a Prince record? It'd be incredible. Yeah. But he'd be like the worst business partner to have in the world, you know. But uh, so I've got kind of those type of people. Right. <laughs> but I love them, and, and it's worth it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I mean. That's it funny. is hard to explain, and I try not to be too, because this is like, it's their life that I'm saying is only worth this dollar amount, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I try not to be too cold about it and try to be empathetic and, and considerate of, of, you know, realize, because I don't make art, you know? So I can't really, I can't pretend to relate and mm-hmm. say that, like, 
I'm in the same boat as them, even though in some areas I am, like in a business sense, like right. we're in this together, yeah, we're partners. Sure. But like, this is your life story you put into this song. To me, it's just a song I really love. Right. So that's it is always a tough conversation, but usually most of them understand and. And I think like, uh, but I, you know, just in business and in life in general, I always try to be very realistic and I don't sign anyone like, I'm gonna make you rich. Like, oh, people are gonna eat this up. I'm like, yo, I think this is incredible. I think the people and how it's worked out so far is most of the stuff that I think is incredible. The people who like the label, they they agree too. So we'll, we'll get it to a bunch of people who love it mm-hmm. and they'll talk about it and they'll get it to other people. And, you know, we'll make some money off it and then put out another one and hopefully that'll do better. Like, you know, just super realistic. So I think, you know, we all go into it with realistic expectations and some sometimes we we get disappointed. That's m- more rare. But a lot of times we get surprised like, oh, wow, like, this is really this is taking off. Like, this mm-hmm. is great. And then we try to, you know, build off of that. But but yeah, it's, it's that those type of conversations are always tough. But, you know, we get through it. And how do, what role does the radio show play? Like, That's just kind of like, um, it's just a cool little like companion piece. It doesn't really play. Actually, it it's not supposed to play like a role in the label. It's meant to be two separate things. Yeah. But I've kind of been using it as like a focus group. Like, because uh, yeah. it's a much more specific. And I feel like the people who listen to the radio show are kind of, I consider them like the the ones who are really pay attention to the label. Because, like, yeah. you know, the label reaches a few Sorry. thousand people, and the radio show probably only reaches a few hundred to maybe a thousand people. So, like, these are the people who are, like, the, they're, like, the top tier of people who are really actively uh, interacting with, you know, the brand, so to speak, or, or the mm-hmm. music, more, mm-hmm. you know, to be more real about it. Uh, so, so if I, if there's a new artist I'm really excited about, and really at the end of the day, if I love an artist, I'm a sign them regardless, but it is always helpful to know how the people who already like Fresh Selects, how they react to it too. Yeah. So, you know, I like live tweet each song as I play it. And, uh, you know, I, I asked for people like, yeah, hit me up, you know, let me know what you think. And people were like favorite or retweet or reply. So it's always interesting to see which songs get more of a response than others. And if it's like the artist that I was thinking about signing, it does. Again, I would have signed them anyways, but it is like, oh, like I, I'm super into them and all of them are super into it, too. Like, that's cool. Like, yeah. maybe I could, you know, invest a little bit more into this than yeah. I was planning on. And that's happened numerous times. And it also kind of puts the the bug in the artist's ear they see my name playing their stuff on the radio mm-hmm. before i even reach out mm-hmm. so i can kind of skip the step of like hey i own a record label because you know like right. everyone owns a record label now. yeah sure so like at least it just kind of helps so like oh yeah i've heard of you like yeah you've been playing my stuff like that's cool and that's a good way to start a conversation so i've been using it like that and also it keeps me keeps me searching because you know it's two hours every week that's a lot of time to fill with Without music. Uh, for yeah, sure. and I try to play only new music. So it really like when I, because there was a time, I think we started the radio show maybe six months after I started the label. So uh, th- those first six months, and even you know I've been working on the label for probably six months to a year before the first release. So really like a year and a half. It, it was real unintentionally I really got into my own zone where I was just listening to the projects I had signed and just like critiquing them from mixing and mastering and I wasn't really I kind of became what I was talking about where I was like in my own Mm -hmm. 
I was, you know, secluded within these projects yeah. and I kind of lost objectivity a bit and I wasn't really checking for new stuff. I was like, oh, this is the best stuff out there. Like, oh, I'm going to kill them, blah, blah, blah. Then I started looking. I'm like, wow, there's so many incredible artists <laughs> and like, and no one's like reaching out to any of them. Like I find people on SoundCloud that have like, you know, like a hundred followers and like no plays. I'm like, what? This kid is nuts. Like, you know, I played on the radio show and everyone else seems to agree. I'm like, I knew it. Like, yeah, like this, I'm on to something. So it's been fun. Like it really keeps me searching. What I'm learning is that sometimes I have to stop looking because I'm like, okay, like I can't sign 50 artists this year. Like I got to right. chill, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. but there's, there's enough out there. There's a crazy amount of talent. Like there's, there's probably more horrible music out there than ever right yeah, now, but the, I, I think there's more amazing music out there than ever too. Like I think yeah. the two go hand to hand. So nice. it's a really exciting time right now. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to like live in the moment and enjoy it. Nice. Well, we're, we're starting to run out of time, but yeah. Um, bet. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is like great. We've been man. talking for a minute. No, that's great. I appreciate cool. all, all the, everything you're saying. Um, what a great journey. Yeah, it's been uh, fun. I, I'm like, it's things like this that make me really appreciate it because I don't always, you know, reflect back yeah, on it. I'm just course. too busy being in it. But I'm like, damn, like, yeah, I was just trying to get that free CD when I was 17. <laughs> now I'm 28. That's what it is. Putting out CDs and, like, giving, you know, I'm like, and I'm trying to pass it forward. I'm trying to, like, I have, you know, kids who are working for me now that are, you know, interns and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, damn, like, it's really come full circle yeah. already. It's crazy. So let me ask you a couple of quick things, though. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, you did you you start out with social media, and you you know you've done it for brands and yeah. for your for your artists and all that. Give us some. What's the? Give us some secret sauce. Honestly, the biggest media. thing for me is, and it might seem kind of obvious, but I think a lot of people forget it when they when they write in the voice or whatever brand is just sincerity. Just yeah. like, just say what's really happening and like, don't always try to be like funny or to do a quick pun or to have like a clickbait headline. Like, uh, I mean, obviously those have been working great for other people, but I think those are kind of like, they're kind of like, it's like crack. It's like a quick hit, mm -hmm. but then like after five minutes, you know, it's gone. Right. And the person's all fucked up. Like it fucks everything up. <laughs> but I think uh I think like the 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 slow and steady just like sincerity and telling your story or telling the story of your brand and having people watch it as it unfolds and different people are gonna like some people just found out about me from you know, one of our bigger records, Sir, or from the Grammys. But then if they do want to go back, like our whole kind of brand story is there or through like interviews like this. Uh, but I think, yeah, just like that's been my biggest, that's what I've noticed has gotten the most response and also the the realest response where people really understand where I'm coming from and they they realize that I'm genuine about it, you know. And, uh, you know, and usually so usually how I do it, not to get, you know, too specific with me, you know, how I do it. But, uh, but like, you know, so all just the way that Facebook works is something I learned at Adidas because they tell us about the algorithms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, I'll share it from the Fresh Selects brand page. And I'll be pretty just straight to the point. Like, you know, we just released a new, the new, new EP from Race of Angels is available today. You can get it here. And then, you know, the way Facebook works, if you don't promote it, like, no one sees that. So then from my personal page, which I've added thousands of people, anyone who 
that like if I see them like an artist that I put out or just any artist that's similar, I just add them. Like I don't care. Some people are like, yo, why'd you add my girlfriend? Or is this guy hitting on me? Like, yo, I added everyone. Like I swear, I'm not, I don't hit them up or anything. I just <laughs> add everyone that seems like they'd be into yeah. what I'm putting out. And don't yeah. spam them. I just add them. Right. And then, you know, then then they see my content and they like it, then they like it. But if they don't, like they probably won't see it because the way the algorithms mm-hmm. work. But so then I then I share the brand story from my personal page and then I put the more personal like like today this happened just before I left like you know Fresh Select said the new Race of Angels EP and then me Kenny on my page said like we've been working on this for three years these songs really meant a lot to me uh, but they didn't fit on the album so we put them out as an mm-hmm. EP I'm mm-hmm. excited to share with you today and all of that is real it's not like right. a pitch yeah. but like being real is a pitch like people are drawn to that you yeah. know like I, one of my artists was performing out here on Sunday and in between her songs, she was kind of like being real candid with the artist. She was like, you know, oh, I'm a bit nervous right now. Like, I don't know why I feel like this, but, you know, I hope all you guys are OK. And it, like it was charming. Yeah, and people were cool. really. And then after the show, she was like, what do you think? Like, do you think like oh, I was so nervous? I was like, no, like that's I, I've never seen an artist be so sincere and so real with the with the audience. And that's yeah. all people want because yeah. like there's so we're all just bombarded with so much advertising mm-hmm. and promotion of mm-hmm. everything everywhere we Everything's go a brand. especially like LA's board you know uh, so yeah it's just so much advertising at, yeah. at all times you know but in the internet everything so any any type of like just truth or sincerity you can put into things i think that goes so far like mm-hmm. in life and relationships and in social media mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's like my big thing to so take know, away with that's good man um, so I know you have all these kids, you have, you know, interns or folks that, like you said, you're trying to put them up on the game the yeah. way that, that somebody put you up on it. So what's something that, that they would hear you say over and over? It's probably the, the, the sincerity thing and just, uh, yeah, just like really just focusing on what you love the most and knowing what you're good at. I think self-awareness is mm. a huge key to life and a key to success like I know that I'm not good like there was a time where I I I thought being a booking agent before I started label I thought being a booking agent would be good for me because all I really ever wanted to do was just help music reach people so I've tried all the different jobs that are involved with that you Mm -hmm. know I thought a booking agent would be great because it's just oh I work with my favorite artists and I get them gigs and put them in front of people it's the same cause right but then I got there and I quickly realized being a booking agent is being like being like a stockbroker you're like a salesman you're like cold calling you know just people who they just have to fill a calendar and they just have to it's just like a numbers game and like Mm -hmm. pretty quickly I was like this I'm not good at this like and maybe that's not the best work ethic for everyone like the other people I know a lot of people who whatever they want to do they can set their mind to it and they could do it maybe i could but i don't that's not my thing and i'm just like this isn't for me there's got to be something else that is for me and i found it like the record label is it like Mm -hmm. i'm not doing this to then sell it and you know write a book about it like this is like what i'm gonna do you Mm -hmm. know like if interscope offered me way more money than i make now just to be an a and r for them like i would turn it down like this so it's about ownership is a big thing with me but just yeah, just like owning, just being in control of what you're doing and and doing what you love and finding a way to to make it count, or you know, just being happy in what you do. Like you know, people always say life is too short, which I think is you know is true. 
Uh, but I, I look at it like, man, life is long. If you get yourself in a job that you hate, you're yeah, gonna be doing sure. it for a long it's time. Get a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. I look at it as life is super long. It's the longest thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, like so. Yeah. This is the only thing I know is life. Sure. So it's been real long for me, and I'm you know young relatively. So like. I'm going to spend. I have to spend my days doing something. I'm gonna spend it doing something I love. You know. What What sacrifices have you had to make that you weren't expecting? Everything. <laughs> I mean, I, but I can't say I wasn't expecting it because I, I, you know, I watch a lot of documentaries. I know a lot of people older than me who did this. I, I pretty much expected most of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, just money, relationships, yeah. you know, everything. But it's all yeah. been worth it, and they've all. They all work out like they all come back when they're supposed to, money and relationships. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think like I, I would I would give it all up again, and I probably will have to, many times over. You know. What's what's been the hardest day? Hardest day? I don't know. I don't know if I've had a hardest day yet. Uh, Good. I've been pretty fortunate. Yeah, now I'm nervous. I'm like, damn, I hope it's not tomorrow. Like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, there, was, there was a thing. That's great. There was something I was talking about uh, recently. It wasn't, but it was like, it was a good thing. But uh, kind of what I was talking about, I've been, I've had some like pretty substantial money offers on the table, but it was, you know, always came with strings of like having to give up ownership of the label. Yeah. And like, I had to turn them down. I'm like, nah, like that's not. That's not it. I know I would regret this, you know, down the line. So yeah. it was hard to do, but it was also super easy to do at the same time. So, but uh, but then other things came around the same time that were like somewhat of equal value with less strings. Like, oh, okay, cool. So like things things you know have worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've had hard days, but a great a great run all in all. So I don't really trip over any one hard day. Nice. Yeah. Uh, last one. Who's your favorite DJ? <sighs> damn, that's tough. Uh, my favorite DJ. Damn. I don't know, man. Why'd you do that? I can't, <laughs> I can't pick. Uh, well, give us one that jumps out. It doesn't have to be uh, excluding all others. Yeah. I'll say this. I'll say Rev Shines from Portland because he just has an ear for things and I always I just really appreciate what he does and I had someone who was visiting Portland from New York recently and we we went to see him play and she was like he's incredible and I was like he is isn't he but he's like my friend so I kind of like take him for granted but she was like blown away everything he dropped and it was just like a really low-key thing he just plays while people eat dinner it wasn't even Mm -hmm. like a party she was like he's killing I was like yeah he is son it made me really excited and and sometimes I feel like I think that's just like a a microcosm for how Portland is as a whole I think because other people have kind of said that about my label like oh you're killing it like if you were in another city you'd be like Damn, am I? And I felt like like Shines is that, so I mm. appreciate him for that, and he's just incredible. You know, no matter he's better than DJs in you know any city. So, nice. I'm gonna yeah, check him I'll out give online. It up to him. Sure. Yeah, he's dope. Dope. Kenny Fresh, cool. thanks for being here, man. I Thank appreciate you for having you. me. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, how do we? Uh, let's promote the socials. Yeah. So uh, pretty much just Fresh Selects on everything. Uh, someone took the Instagram name. It might have been me and I forgot the <laughs> password. I don't know. It's just like an empty page. But Fresh Selects label on Instagram. SoundCloud is a big thing. You know, mu- it's just all of this is about music. Like yeah. if you 
you don't ever need to see a photo of me or to see what I, you know, I'm tweeting about, you know, on Twitter, like just SoundCloud and Bandcamp, just listen to the music. Like even if you never see me or hear from me again, just listen to the music. It's incredible. I can say that because I didn't make it. Uh, yeah. So fresh, like freshselects.bandcamp.com, soundcloud.com slash freshselects to listen to the radio show. It's mixcloud.com slash freshselects. And then, yeah, Freshlex on Twitter, Freshlex label on Facebook. Cool. Thanks, awesome. man. Yeah, thanks again. I appreciate it. Dope. Yo, that was Kenny Fresh. Hope you enjoyed that. If you like it, check out Fresh Selects online. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line on Twitter, on Facebook, or leave us a review on iTunes under Rebel Radio. And that's it. We come back next week for more goodness. But before I let you go, I gotta pay some bills, so check out this word from our sponsor. Wix.com is the best place to go to build your own website for your business, your portfolio, your artistic career, whatever your hustle is, you need a website, and Wix.com is the place to make that happen. It's easy, it's fast, it's free. There's hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates, and you can just drag and drop your images, your copy in there, and you're done. Wix.com, that's W-I-X dot com.